I said, what you know about it? It's the stool, baby. Got the knees in plus. Young stool, baby. And the room a lot. Spectacular. The cook's taking yeah. home 80, uh-uh. and front of the house is taking home 400. Is the front of the house job four times as important as what the cook is doing by making the food? No, of course not. The front right. of house is four times so wider. So like, ever, like, ever do that. I mean, no. it's, this, is, this is not people operating in a vacuum. They're saying this is how it works now. I think everyone agrees that it's not fair. How do we somehow figure out a way to mitigate the disruption that the that it would take just to throw in different scenarios like now you don't tip and food costs go up 30 percent now we make you pay five percent to back of the house on the bill i mean it's kind of like the discussion is more about like everybody thinks it's unfair but how do we do it so the customer doesn't stop going to our restaurant and everybody i mean there's no we're we're all experimenting right now and the people and it sucks because the people who are taking the the reins and saying like I'm going to try and fix this problem by being the first person or one of the first people to do that are getting hung out to drive by everyone and, well, it's and like forcing to switch the problem back. is is Stacy in Canoga Park giving him one star for a five percent back of the house surcharge. That's the problem. <clears throat> and that that somehow is dictating, you know, business being brought to a restaurant. Stacy, Canoga Park. Fuck. I mean, that's just it. That's why I personally don't even look at Yelp because maybe right. Stacy isn't my fucking demographic. A little or, bit louder, Stewie. Uh, maybe Stacy shouldn't come back. That's fine. Also, you could. <laughs> we've come. already we've been recording for the last two minutes, by the way, sir. And you could just Stacy can. Well, the whole heads up. anthem that you just sung is gonna is already on the. It's on That's iTunes fine. right well, now. Yeah, Stacy. You sold five copies. <laughs> maybe you got five downloads. Stacy could get a phone call or an email or a little message like I'm spend the time that. and give her a little heads up put and that tell bitch her, on blast hey no don't put it on blast just like um, or Stacy might come out to her car one day no. trying to go to work <laughs> it's more like and, those, and her kneecaps won't work anymore you know what I'm saying she might be at the preschool trying to pick up the kids and she just can't find them <laughs> you do yeah. I mean mostly you just flag her and she get and they just get removed from your from your Yelp Oh, is, is that possible? Well, yeah. If, if yeah, if, if their Yelp is really good about removing people that are just being ridiculous, so what I'm worried about, not good at ex- which used to be a bummer with this yeah. whole. By the way, you're listening to the Stew. Mm-mm. It's my Hi. motherfucking food podcast. My name's Brett. Jason Stewart. Chris Stewart, my brother in the building. Hi, Andre Conaparo in the building. Grab more beers. Cold blooded. You better get more beers. We're gonna. I'm eating sous vide potatoes that I just sous vide earlier. They're very plain. I disagree. <laughs> I, uh, There's not a lot of ingredients. I don't think they taste plain. And they're very good. They're 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 potatoes these, in their rawest, purest form. These yukes from TJ's? No, these are Yukon Golds from the farmer's market in, oh, nice. in Gatwater Village. Blah, 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 
We forgot to mention that Pickles is here as well. Pickles in the building. Pickles, my dog, is in the kennel right now. Hello to our mothers. Hello, Jill. Let's get that out of the way. Let's get it done. So Let's go it? back to it. The formalities. Kathy Cohn, I hope you're staying warm out there in Maine. I want to thank Eli at UTA for representing me. <laughs> um, all the guys down at Lucas, they're great. Um, um, yeah, I made potatoes. I'm trying to infuse olive oil with rosemary and garlic, red chili flake, and then infuse that olive oil into a potato that I've diced into little kind of quarter-inch squares in the bag, and the flavor's not, it's not getting into the potato. What kind because of potato? Yukon Gold. It's not getting into, I think, because I, I just took olive oil, put rosemary and garlic in a pan, and just kind of heated it on low, just fried it up on low for like 10 minutes, and it wasn't enough to get those flavors infused into the oil. So I got to put all the garlic and oil and herbs. I have to put it all in a little bag. Yeah. Cheesecloth. What is that called? Cheesecloth. There's like a French word for it when you put all the herbs. Oh, bouquet, uh, bouquet garnier. Bouquet garnier. And bouquet garnier fructis. <laughs> when you do the conditioner, make sure you let it sit in there so for a long a time. Right well, look, there. pro tip. Um, Much like infusing herbs, let it sit for a long time. In a sachet? Well, I think, okay, so with the dish you made is a simple dish. I think it's very good. I like it. You weren't you. really trying to shoot for the moon on ingredients or flavor profile. You're just playing around. But the most impressive thing by far is you cued the potatoes very small, cooked them, um, and they're perfectly cooked through with great texture, but not watery at all, and they're not breaking apart at all, which is the point of sous vide, mm-hmm. keeping them out of water, keeping them from retaining water, mm-hmm. breaking apart. And that would be, that was amazing, kind of served warm with a little bit of labna, but also to chill that and make a potato, potato salad, salad with that texture, that small cubes. So the texture is not only coming from the how well cooked the potato is, but also how small and also mm-hmm. that they're retaining their structure. I think... Retaining yeah. their they structure, they so, don't get waterlogged. But it's it was it's a really interesting dish. Yeah, I mean, because when you ever whenever you have a little kind of they're kind of like a home fry style small. Cube. I mean, smaller, but yeah, smaller exactly. But home. But fry like, squares. when's the last you've you've maybe have never had the had that before where you get to eat that and it's cooked sous vide. There's no it hasn't touched water. It hasn't touched a frying pan. It right. hasn't touched an oven or anything like that. It's just like. Perfectly warm through, yeah. little edible square of potato. But it has a really interesting flavor, too, because, one, it hasn't been roasted, so it's not, like, smoky or burnt. It's in, it hasn't taken on any of that. And if it's home fried, it's going to be fried. So it doesn't have any of that well, extra oil fried, or... Pan fried, you know, pan, like Or pan fried, mostly. or just, like, squared and dropped, because you yeah. can't, like, parboil or, or boil something that small. It'll just fall apart by yeah, the time you're, it's cooked. Yeah, but you're often... To get a lot of the starch out, you're just... It's sitting in a in a in a tub of water in the walk-in refrigerator for a day or whatever. So that's another yeah. weird thing. Not a weird thing. It's well, just no, what I mean, you do. Weird yeah. Where this is a potato that has no starch removed at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, because well, what if there's that's nowhere just for the starch to go? Not good. <laughs> well, that's very, maybe it's just right. Not, it's no, just that, which that, could that, be I think like that a very might shitty be like thing. The the end result. I'm trying to think of like hypotenuse and, and all that thing. Or yeah, like I mean, hypothesis. Of, What's the end? Yeah. I think the conclusion might just be like, mm, it's not that good. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's why we experiment. You yeah. thought it was not that good. 
Oh, it's really fine, great. but like it's not like this. Oh, la, la. It's not like this revolutionary potato form. Like I'm just like, oh, it's not that much different or better. Like, is it really worth the fuss or this or that? Like, I probably would be better with a blanche to me, like to open it up and to let to 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 give room for this is the, the last flavors podcast that Stewie will be no, I think, invited to. No, I was about to say, like, maybe I came hungry. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, but I just don't know. No, no, no. If it was like. It was not, no, it's, I, I agree. It's not like, this tastes like a sous vide potato, or this isn't right. like this revolution. It's like, I mean, it's just like... A little more potato-y flavor in a good way. Less water. I mean, I'm it's returning your Christmas present. Like <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, that's why it's an experiment. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't... That, that's kind of what I was saying. It's going to take... Yeah, that's why I use experiment. Ter- yeah, it's like... Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I feel... I wouldn't get so caught up with like just sous vide. Like, yeah, do a little, do a combo. I think it might be better. Combo what? Like what, blanche or like throw it in the tub of water for a little bit and then souping it? Something like that? See what happens? Maybe. Just you can just imagine like the shittiest dish ever is just like potato three ways. And it's just like fried, boiled, <laughs> sous vide. And you're like, that's not. Steamed? That's not necessarily a three way dish. And yeah. But you know, everyone wants to, everyone says you got to get the starch out of the potato. Uh, when you make fries, they soak them in the water. When when you go to a restaurant, there's just big ass tubs and buckets full of chopped potatoes sitting in water, or they're frozen. Yeah, or they're frozen. And they're they're trying to get the starch out. But I'm saying, but you know, it's I like to experiment with any any idea that could happen. God made these potatoes the way He made them, and what if we want to lock all that juicy juiciness in? Mm. I don't know. A raw potato is kind of gross to me. I like a raw potato. Mm-mm. It's like actually hurts my stomach when I have a raw potato. Like some, I think the cooking needs to like get some enzymes slowing or something. But There's like, a banchan sometimes. It's like a raw potato. Yeah, but you see, there you go. You have like banchan, so you've got vinegar and other things going on with it, right? So to aid still, in like some I've been watching a lot of Mind of a Chef lately, so I'm thinking outside the bun, <laughs> John. <laughs> um, Why were we talking about tipping and? Yo, oh, oh, I was saying, intense yeah, we're talking about, because there's all these things going on. Like, it's like, it's but like, the thing, the thing let's is, let's just debate abortion next, why don't we? That sounds great. Well, the, the thing that is, is making me sad or like, un, unsure about the future is these, these, I, I've, I've hung out and talked to Andy Ricker from Pock Pock, who's been on the, on the forefront of this, and then also Ari from Alma. Was trying to sort of do this as well, and a bunch of other places are, sure. are doing as well. Tons. And they're all like people who are bright and intelligent, and people who you really seem like they've sat down for hours and days and weeks and months trying to find a solution for this. Just like everything else, they're trying to find a solution for paying their co- their cooks. They're trying to find a way to have sustainable gardens and everything going. Like they're they're really fighting the good fight, but unfortunately, sort of striking out. Yeah. And if these are our best and brightest minds who are fighting for this, then, and they're not doing it, they're not killing it right now. With that. California's tough. That's the best. But it's not their fault. They're, tr- they're trying and they're doing what what makes sense logically. But it's it's just not working because the the general public is is not getting it. Um, they're kind of set in their ways. I mean, are 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 those guys ever going to be feeding the general public? Those are two. Well, you just those are two not, super niche examples. Just, I mean, to some extent, well, Pock Pock, but Alma. I mean, I don't know, no, so I'm much. saying. Well, so like, that's not really. That makes my point even more, a, though, because these are if, okay. They're feeding the people who are high level eaters who understand the whole 
restaurant ecosystem. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> more so than somebody who's in line at Popeyes or Taco Bell. Sure. Like these, these are people who, like, if you're eating at Alma or Pock Pock, like, you probably, you know, know a lot more about food and restaurants and tipping and farming and all that stuff than the general public. And if those people aren't on board, then are the people at Taco Bell ever going to understand it? I don't know that that those people aren't on board. I think that the people that are nagging it just scream louder. I don't know if that. That's it's, a, I, mean, that's I really don't know that people. I think if you have a, if you have a nice conversation with the quote unquote general public, they're like, it's it's just simple math. Like it's pretty. Like I don't think. Yeah, uh, I don't well, think people are up in arms. I, I I don't know if it's so controversial to me personally. Well, it's it's not controversial. That the they're they're not striking out because people are against it. They're striking out because it's literally not working for their business and. It's cl- and their businesses are having to close or or, or do something different. Personally, like Pock Pock, like Pock Pock is like a very successful restaurant, and their pr- their thing was not working, so I, they had to change it back to this system. It wasn't that people were complaining; it's just like people didn't understand it, or just like I don't know what is going on. Which Pock Pock we talking about here? The new one that's in China. The new one. It's yeah. like been open for half of a second. I think it's a little bit tough to use that as a litmus test. For this, they've been around for, for like no, like a, they've been open for like a month or two. That's like that's nothing. Like you can't. That's like so. Would you suggest that. that they stick with? Hold they they should have yeah. stuck with it. Hold Pat. I personally, I hate to be a dick, but like he went kind of hard. Like it's kind of like what happened with the Oinkster. They opened in Hollywood, thinking that people were gonna flock to it. It's this gigantic place. They put a lot of money into it, a lot of time, and they realized like oh. No, our reach is mostly Northeast LA, not quite Hollywood, and it didn't work out. And Andy Rickert, he worked, he's huge, you know, in, in, in certain stratas, and he's big in the Pacific Northwest, and big in New York, and he's got this name. I don't really know how well the Chinatown one was killing it, the first one, the little, the small one. Pot so, time. Pot, you know, so like, I don't, maybe he doesn't, maybe he's just like, you know, we have Jitlada. We have plenty of <clears> other <throat> Thai spots that LA has been like champ- championing for years. So maybe like there, it's, I wouldn't like. Maybe uh, he bit off he's more a bad than example. he could chew. If it's somebody who's, and even Alma's a bad example, they're hardly established. Like mm. I only know like so many people that have ever eaten at Alma. That's like, that says something. Yeah. You know? But it's like if you picked, God, I don't know, if you picked. But there, I mean, there are restaurants. Know, like Moza. Room. What if Moza did it? Now that's a better gauge for me. Like that's when I know, like, oh, we found something here, or somebody that's mm-hmm. really like has a previous history of of data, and then you can move forward. And there's yeah. not a whole lot of data with Ricker or even Alma for that matter. But then also a place like Ohana Poke, who my girlfriend just ordered delivery from today. They have that system. Mm-hmm. It's the tip. They don't take any tips. It's already built into the cost, yeah. and they're flourishing. Maybe because they figured it out. It, well, they good food. And there, also, yeah. their, their price no, points are lower. And what's their business model? I've never been to Ohio. What's it like? No, but like there's no... Service? Yeah, it's all counter service. Yeah, so it's already... That's way more perceived... That people don't always tip at counter service, especially mm-hmm. if there's food involved. Now, coffee, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Smoothie juice, that's a different thing because you can watch them actually making your food right in front of your face. That's why people tip more in those situations. Mm-hmm. But like a counter service, like... Even delis, you're making your sandwich in front of you, but if someone's just scooping some stuff on a plate, in theory, or mm-hmm. like all of a sudden it magically appears, like you don't tip at Chipotle, you know? Right. If it's something analogous to that, like quick service, like it's already in the consumer's yeah, headspace, you're not gonna, you're not gonna yeah. do it. 
When so. you, isn't it weird when you go to a deli and you just watch them like build a whole sandwich for yeah. you exactly how you told them to do it and they wrote it down on a piece of paper and do all of your little thingies and then you always just, you know, people just put a buck in the little jar. People don't even do that. Or don't even do that. I mean, when mm-hmm. I when I get a sandwich and, I, and then they do that, I put a dollar in there and I'm like, this is the correct amount of money for this transaction. But yeah, maybe, it's odd. But that's it shouldn't be that. It way. depends, and people do, and because I take my sandwiches making very seriously, and most people are very personal about how they want their sandwich to be made. Sometimes they're just grumpy as all hell and not that nice, and it's hard to tip somebody that's not nice to you. Mm, sandwich you know? men are grumpy sometimes. Yeah, and women. Well, Riker broke it down pretty well on the Playboy.com interview that he's also a little bummed about. I think he said it wasn't even the full interview. Um, they took bits and pieces of questions. Yeah. But, you know, he said he tried to get ahead of the curve in Chinatown, which he's fighting because that's the nature of being ahead of the curve. He knows that he went into a big space. You know, he kind of shot big. But I wouldn't say with his with his name out there and his cookbooks and, and the – I mean, he's, his – his restaurant in New York is Michelin starred, um, so it's really, in a way, you know, no joke food. He should sure. be able to hopefully kind of try to go big with you know a nice concept restaurant that's trying to do new things. Mm-hmm. But one of you know, one of his big points was that you know Thai food, Vietnamese food, Chinese food has found its way into a culture of just being assumed to be cheap. Oh sure. And on top of that, he's moving into a town that has Los Angeles, who's got an amazing Thai town and a huge history of fantastic culturally relevant and and accurate thai food um he's fighting that you know he's not the only thai game in town that's doing high-end thai food Um, yeah song and then also jitlada to be kind of an old guard but he's not the only one also of a new guard of thai cooking as well uh and he's also fighting the conception about you know he's sourcing all his own foods gmo free organic humanely raised um, you know, the food costs alone aren't reflected in or reflected in very few other places in Thai cuisine. Uh, and he's he and he mentioned the difference between kind of like the seven dollar pad Thai, which also tastes good and is prevalent all over Los Angeles. Um, he's, he eats that, you know, I eat that food sometimes. I like that food. That's different food than we make. But even when I talk to people who own successful Thai foods that have Thai restaurants that have that price point, they also feel completely pigeonholed by that idea too. They can't. They feel they can't ever raise their prices over a seven ninety five lunch special curry, mm-hmm. and they're stuck in that. And which means they can't. They can't ever increase the quality of their ingredients that they want to use or do things yeah. that they would like to try. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's not for bad intentions, and I don't. I don't even think it's for you know poor business practices. It's just hoping that people will somehow understand what you're trying to do. In a time when basically, instead of people trying to understand, uh, and Yelp being the, the biggest example, people don't try to understand, they just complain. They don't write to the restaurant asking why this happened to my meal. Yeah. They just say one star, you know, mm-hmm. Joy in Canoga Park didn't like the 5% sales increase. A lot increase. of Canoga Park in the Yelp reviews today, I like it's it. It's just like, in the end, people don't try to understand, they just try to bitch. Yeah. 
And in and that also reflects in something very relevant to restaurants this day and age for good or bad, which is Yelp, and I would say mostly bad. But it's just nothing but complaints. And yeah. we mentioned the Taco Bell eater and we mentioned the Alma eater, and there's a middle ground that does spend, you know, that kind of money to eat that pays attention to Yelp way more than they should. Cheesecake and, Factory. And <laughs> Riker doesn't need fast food fast food continually eating customers to come in he needs a middle ground of people that will appreciate his food yeah but also be willing to spend a little bit more than the average cost and have them not just jump to complaints but it's tough i mean to like i've a I, very I, hard middle ground i consider myself to be somebody who understands the restaurants and how they work and food and pricing and all that stuff and it, it even happened to me the first time i went to pock pock like it can be a little off-putting when you order a dish that costs seventeen dollars and it comes out in a cereal bowl. We ate together. Just, and we, ate, we had that meal together, and I had the same kind of reaction. I was like, "Wow, this is not cheap." Yeah, you know. Right. And it was—it's—it's it's it's one of those things. Like, and you'll go to like Night Market Song. Obviously, their their operational costs are much lower. It's a you're—they're passing on their the savings onto the customer because everything else is. Their overhead is low compared to that big ass pock pock. But they like, also don't have a full liquor license, which is expensive to have and get mm-hmm. in LA too and maintain. And, to and pay they have back. to have. I mean, it's imp- it, obviously a liquor license is a huge money maker, but you have to have people in there ordering booze to make money on it as well. Mm-hmm. And that's you know that's yeah. again part of the the big dream plan for pock pock LA. Fighting the good fight. Yeah, it's way Plant too early. Plant the seed. If you it's build it, they early. will come. Yeah, man, you know just, he's he's taking a gamble on on getting in very early in in the Chinatown market, just like our friends at Burger Lords did. Like you're you're kind of going in before hoping and predicting that it's going to blow up in the next few years. Yeah, and you're kind of staking your claim early while it's still affordable. Yeah, and tough. your business will be up and running, and you have to sort of factor that into your investment investments and operational costs like we need to be able to stay open for three years while chinatown may or may not become the next silver lake or whatever it, it it's happening that's why they've got chago and the little tiny grab and goes is really a smart concept for over there just to dip your toes into it well on a brighter note star wars is here that's <laughs> right so what does star wars have to do with food don't know yet, Everything. but we're going to find out. Popcorn. Andre Conoparo Andre is a giant Star Wars fan. Former. We had this conversation in the car, but yes, I, I am, you know, in heart a huge Star Wars fan, but I haven't, I lost that love so long ago. I mm-hmm. it, it ruined the, you know. When the Sith Lord came. I just I, I just stopped liking Star Wars and everything about it once, once the prequels came out, and I don't mm-hmm. know. But uh, everybody I've talked to, Loves this movie. It's great. It gives me hope. Stewie we saw, saw it last night. Yeah. Yeah. So you went to a midnight screening. 12.15. I, 12 15. I don't think it started till at least I don't know, 12.40 because there's so many. 20 minutes of previews, previews for the biggest movie event of the year. Yeah. Maybe ever. I, I read that it's on par. If it stays what it's doing, it's on par to beat Jurassic Park for biggest opening well, of oh, all time. It should definitely beat Jurassic Park. It, it, it already had the biggest grossing single day opening thursday i think it was single day opening or, because it was previously held by harry potter because um, technically they don't play till midnight right mm, oh so, yeah so that's technically Friday. um so but fandango alone said this is great this is happening on the food podcast because people haven't heard enough of this but fandango alone said that the pre-sales of star wars 
was more than any full-run film they've sold tickets for. So every ticket they ever sold for a Lord of the Rings movie, or a single Lord of the Rings movie, they are the pre-sales alone, which was like the first two weeks they were able to sell or whatever it was, is more than any single-run movie they've ever had. To, to as like a third-party in, like Fandango. Right, yeah, ordering yeah. through Fandango. That's this is not crazy. ticket sales. That's, you guys, that's still a food podcast, guys. Come on. I'm popcorn. Uh, oh, popcorn. Uh, soda. I oh, love, this is good. Uh, movie theater. Movie theater food. Hacks. Pro tip, wine know. in a mason jar. Wine in a mason jar. Yeah. I like that. I so, just, wait, wait, wait. I just put bourbon in my big jacket. There's, go, there's, yeah, go drinking in the wintertime. is really nice. <laughs> I'm just telling oh, you. This is, this is a good, this all, is yeah. a good <laughs> juxtaposition. Andre is like, all right. You get the nice bottle of Pinot from Lou. You fill up the mason jar, and then you kind of take some swigs off of that. Yeah. And when the when the lights go down, and Stewie's like, "I put a bottle of Jack Daniels in my jacket." <laughs> oh, it's bullet. It's a nice kn- slimy. I've been known to do both. Let's not paint me on the side of the uh, yeah of, of the wine. Side. I've been known to uh, slip a little uh, little something in the in the coke. Wine makes me sleepy, soda. so I drank yeah, right. bourbon. It was for, so for me. I don't. Logistical. I've never been a drinking at the movies person. Huh. It, it never seemed to appeal to me. I'm gonna get hammered and just like well. Have a little- <clears throat> I know I'm not. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to take the high horse here. I'm, I enjoy the libations. We well, I worked at a, I worked in movie theater in high school and through college, doing doing some of the programming and midnight shows and things like that and everything else too. Um, but you know what? The best part about working at and it was a small, independently owned movie theater that did mostly indies and foreign films, but and once in a while a, a bigger film, but. The best part was all the chicks that the, are all over you for working in the projector room. The owner, the owner was amazing and still made my favorite boss today. But he really trusted us because we were all kind of the people that worked there were film nerds and cared about it. So he let us have the free run as long as nothing went wrong, and it never did. So we'd get to screen the movies whenever we wanted, run them at midnight, run them at four in the morning. We had keys, you know, people that were projectionists, and so that was always like. Bring a six pack, watch the movie, hang out. That's good. Um, oh, very tight. And that was like part. Yeah, of- as a, as like a high school or college student, that's some good nerd living right there. It was. And then high on the hog. But the problem, the bummer for you and your nerdiness is this was at a time before the like all the technological advancements were in place where you could have brought the Xbox yes. and play oh, video games on the big I screen, never even which of happens that. now. My heart just really? broke. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, when I worked at Cinespace, people used to do that. Like you you would there would be parties where guys would come in and they would just play Madden on the big screen and you just, you know, you hang out and you have some beers and it's just chilling there. You got like a giant ass Call of Duty gun. Jeez Louise. And that has I mean, now that everything is digital, you just, you know, HDMI plug that Xbox straight in there and boom. Is it that simple? Anyway, yeah, this is a yeah, podcast. Yeah. I mean, depending on the what their projection setup, it can't well, be I mean, for it's, sure. it's certainly much easier than theoretically sure on a thirty-five millimeter. If you're, yeah, if you're using definitely kind of a high-end kind of home professional projection, probably which is what you had at Cinespace, not necessarily like a DLP mm-hmm. ready theater projector. I don't know how those work. I don't know if those HDMI ends, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, and you can get, still get a great image. I will say there was one of the good anecdotes was so we were all kind of self-contained at this theater I worked at. Everybody there, we all kind of knew each other and, and had the same vibe. But then we knew everybody else who worked at the other movie theater. So there's somebody who worked at a big AMC who we would you know we would always invite him over to our screens. He was like, "Hey, we're going to show this is the first Harry Potter film." I, was, I still am a huge Harry Potter fan. So 
They're like, come to the screening. I was like, fantastic. Midnight, let's do it. And just assume that, like always, it was just kind of like the 17 to 25-year-olds at the midnight screening running it for themselves show up with a, with a friend of mine. We'd gone out to the bars, brought some beer with us, and we show up, and it's like, 200 AMC employees with their kids and us. <laughs> and like, we're like, oh no. We sit down, try and play it cool, try and play it cool. Like, accidentally, multiple, multiple times kicked beers down from the back of the seats uh, and just heard it roll through the aisles. No like, better sound that's than, a, great, than oh. a quiet part in the movie when the beer bottle goes clinking down mm, the cement graded floor. Half the audience is like, oh, why didn't I bring beers? They're all like, oh, these guys are <laughs> doing it right. Why, Lord? <laughs> So yeah, whenever that happens, I'm always like, "Damn it!" That's how you. That's how you know when you've gotten older. When you're younger, you're like, <laughs> and then when you're when you're older, you're like, "These damn kids are <laughs> messing." I want my money. Ruining. Back. I'm going to talk to the management mm-hmm. after this. Well, but popcorn. Was, I've never. I mean, there's. I've never gotten tired of popcorn. Did you make popcorn no, when you worked never, at the ever. theater all the time? How can and you eat not? popcorn all the time? How gnarly was Still. the popcorn back then? Like, did you guys? I mean, it's like the industrial. Grade just crazy. Well, we had we had like you were in Santa Cruz, so maybe we it was in Santa Cruz. We had local <laughs> organic desserts. We had brewers really? yeast and tamari as some of the seasonings out oh, like in the popcorn shit. area. We used pretty good oil. We used you know I think it was pretty standard popcorn, but it wasn't you know nothing mm. bad. Real butter. Um, it was pretty good. It was legit. Well, that's impressive. So you were. But it was also, I seriously. It was like I the thought you were theater. joking. It took you were the one exception. It took me a while to realize. Like, oh yeah, I thought you were. Because I'm. A joke. I, I mean, I just assume. Like at any movie theater, it's just like bottom of the barrel Cisco. You know, it you is. Buy, it is. You buy the oil. It is most of the time. The oil comes in like a weird cardboard box yeah. and it's like solid for some reason and it's made. No, we in were good. Afghanistan. We tossed out old candy. Um, people get mad when you have brewer's yeast and then don't have brewer's yeast. Uh, like we would have, like you'd have to send somebody out with twenty bucks to sprint down to like the the health food spot. And luckily, there's one like ten blocks away, but it was like you need Cruz. to get brewer's yeast before this riot happens right now. <laughs> but yeah, it was dang Jesus. Dang. <laughs> yeah, for those who don't know, brewer's yeast is like a it's like an a old very hippie topping. It's, it's like a, also a, delicious. Also known as nutritional yeast. Yeah, nutritional yeast. Yeah. You can find it at like the bulk bins at Whole Foods. It, it's just like it looks like f- just little yellow flakes. I still put it on my popcorn to this day. And it's 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 a it's a yeast product. It's one of the great keys to sweet sweet cashew cheese. Yeah, yeah it was. It oh, was, the uh, my vegan my um, vegan mac and cheese was just straight vegan A's with brewer's yeast. Stirred together, it and, it was, and it was good. It works. I it's that very good. It's, it's kind of, and it's it has been around since the '60s. Like oh, it's God, it's, it's a real it's throwback. Really it's like the origin, one of the original like health food ingredients, and it is basically you. It sort of mimics the flavor of of buttered popcorn almost. Like it, it tastes buttery and yeah, yeah. cheese. It's it like butter and cheese. Sure. Yeah, it's, it definitely it's takes a on that cheese a little bit. quality. Yeah, it just yeah. tastes fake. Yeah, and it, that, 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 that <laughs> good fake. You but know? when you're when you're that, a that, vegan and you haven't had the the sweet sting of cheddar on your lips for yeah. years, it's yeah. it's not. It's a nice little methadone hit to keep you going. I don't know if it's good for you. I don't know if it's. I good don't for know. You know. <laughs> I have no I, I idea. I really don't know. I don't know anything else other a, than like anybody who's vegan in their in their teenage years has no idea if anything they ate was good for them. It's a general me likey. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. But yeah. I still I still make popcorn with. Um, 
Uh, olive oil, brewer's yeast, little brags, and that's some dill. Just toss oh, well, it up. That's, yeah. I mean, some hippie, some hippie popcorn. Yeah, and we, I'll do straight butter, too. That's a pretty like complex popcorn combo. We, I like it both. We grew up on making the, on the pea corn and melting butter in the microwave and, and throwing spiking? spike on yeah, that thing. Yeah, spiking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that was the move. Another move. throwback classic health food ingredient spike, spike. brand Just seasoning high as hell in sodium if you yeah, pay attention say, you get the sodium free but like get the sodium free. If you don't pay Meh. attention you're like oh my god well that's why it tastes so good because i'm pretty yes. sure it's just like every herb in the in the world and msg yeah and it was is there msg in it I don't know. It's a shitload of salt. It is. But you can get the sodium free. I highly recommend that seasoning. It's great on on eggs, potatoes, oh. popcorn, chicken, just, all kinds of stuff. It just kicks it up a notch. It just kicks it up a notch. Every time I get a sandwich and I don't like I bring it home, like nine times out of ten, if, like obviously if it's a really specific sandwich, you're not gonna do this to a godmother or good time mm, no. But if I get like um, if I go to Lassen's and get like a chicken salad sandwich, that thing's getting pulled apart and spiked. Yeah, you gotta do it. Bang, bang. Yeah, like Mac salad is super good with spike on it. Potato salad is good with spike on it. If it needs like, ah, this is like, no, oh, it's all right, but it needs a little more. Little brother brew brews, mm-hmm. a little spike. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I would say if you've never had spike, I would liken it to kind of like ranch dressing flavor. Because there's a decent amount of parsley in it. That's why I think. Like if you were to just pour spike in sour cream, like. You would sort you could, of get a little could, bit of a ranchy situation. Because there's some garlic in there and loads of parsley. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's jammy. celery. It's tight as hell. Yeah, oh. do you guys, so when you guys make popcorn at home, what's your pro tips? When, when I make it at home, I do oil, oil in the pan, medium high heat. And then I put one single kernel in there. Yep. Put the oh, lid yeah. on. Much ready to go. That's as soon one. as as soon as that kernel pops, then pour in the rest of the corn. Do you put salt in before? Always. Yeah. 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 So maybe do half the salt. Yep. And then the second half after it's popped. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I do that. Some people um, put the lid on a little bit of jar. You you want to have the air escaping, or else it'll it'll burn. I always, I always, I, I roll like a. I do the exact same thing. I put in three corn. I put in three kernels. Oh. Put the heat like rule of three high to medium high. Wait till all three pop, um, and then pour in however much I'm using. And, and then the I kind of put a towel on top of the lid because it gets hot. And then I hold shake it, it around. And then I hold it down and try to keep as little steam getting out as possible. And then shake it around. And keep shaking it around. So and you want to leave the steam in? I don't know. I mean, like. I don't know how it works. I very rarely burn popcorn. Mm-hmm. A humble brag. A little bit of a humble brag, yeah. But um, what happens when you're using like, the industrial ones, it keeps popping and then the lid shoots up once there's like enough corn mm. coming out. But it stays kind of fairly shut until like whatever. Well, the, the Alton Brown popcorn method, mm. the way he does it, which I like to do as well, is you do the, you do the corn test when you hear the single kernel pop or two or three. You pour the rest in. The salt, and then you cover the whole th- the lid of your pot with aluminum foil, and then you make little knife marks, little what? puncture wounds for the steam to escape. And that way, you're able to shake it up and down. And if you attach the foil on well, you don't have to like hold it down very well. It just kind of st- it's like a self-contained ecosystem. Labor intensive, but yeah. also makes sense. I just don't have a problem burning my popcorn. The one, th- the pro tip for me, too. as far yeah. as sh- shaking, is because all the popcorn machines that they use at 
uh, movie theaters. It. Yeah, they have agitator. They have something mm-hmm. turning everything at the bottom, constantly moving it so nothing sits. And that will be, obviously, that's what makes that's everything burn if you just walk away and wait for it to be done. And so you're not continually burning the ones that have been popped. And the reason why I do it, usually, like, I do medium-high because I don't want to, you know, I'm usually using olive oil, so I don't want to burn the oil. But then I'll kind of hold it. Um, I'll turn it all the way high and just kind of try and hold it above the flame That's and good. not have it sitting there while Hold I'm shaking it off the and moving. Yeah, just kind of like shh, shh, shh. Like, like if omelet. you were doing a, yeah, do, cooking eggs. Going on, going off, controlling the heat. And then when, an, another tip that I like to do, when, when you, after you remove it from the pan or the pot and then pour it into your large bowl to go eat on the couch, I do pour in half the popcorn, Yeah, season it, Stir it around, and then the other half mm. season that and stir it around. That's what we did when we were kids. I should yeah, do that because the bottom. Sure. I don't do that. <clears throat> like when you go that. to the movie theater and you pour butter on the top of it, you know it ain't yeah, hitting the lower it. hemisphere. And we would do. Why I remember I do using that? a spoon to just keep it. Yeah, moving you you too. hold you hold the bowl in your hand, the oh. the big bowl, and you kind of tilt it like the Earth's axis, <laughs> and then you do a scooping <laughs> thing, and you you have to slide the spoon along For the sure. bottom of the bowl, and yep. it and it kind of. Moves it all it's together. Like a cotton gin. I get it. Like a cotton gin. I can't yeah. candy though too. Yeah. yeah and there, there's a way because you know it's. You want to coat everything. Yeah. You want to sure. get good even coverage because it sucks because you you want it's very easy to oversalt your popcorn. It's a bummer. Ugh, so easy. And the other problem whenever you over like when you oversalt food, a lot of times you'll be like, okay, I can't eat this. It's inedible. It's like too fucking salty. When you oversalt popcorn. You eat it all. You, know, yeah, cause you power through. You grab that Diet Coke or something. Your eyes like start we watering kids. and you, you just eat it, it all. Yeah. That happens to me. That happens to me. Like one out of ten popcorns, I will over season it if I've had a couple of drinks in me. Well, you want to. Sorry. Ideally, you want to use unsalted butter. Oh, and yeah. you want to pour the butter on before you salt because a lot of times as you're stirring. It's not if it's dry popcorn that's unbuttered or unoiled, all the salt's going to drop to the bottom, mm-hmm. and then you're going to keep stirring, and then not, there's nothing for it to hold on. And nothing to. to stick to. So that's why when you finish the popcorn, you see all the salt sitting at the bottom, mm-hmm. um, and that's why you don't see that at movie theaters because they've already so heavily salted the popcorn while it's in the oil. Yeah, and then people pour salt yeah. on top because they really want mm-hmm. more. But like that's, I mean, if you taste popcorn in a movie theater nine times out of ten. Unless you really love salt, it's it's perfect. fine. It's I, I never that, do that's because I would put in. I I'm pretty sure they breed the corn to have salt already inside yeah. of it. I I don't maybe, <laughs> I, but I put I would put in two tablespoons of like table salt for every batch of popcorn that I did at the movie theater. I mean that's a lot of salt when you're using like table salt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And none of I mean it all is coated on the popcorn <clears throat> immediately. Yeah. Well, I think, and also whenever I'm making my popcorn, I always think, but I've never done this. Because it's kind of a little too much work, but this could be a good holiday gift item for a popcorn head on your wish list to get the spray bottle of oil yeah, or butter. That's nice. Because I'm just I'm I'm taking like a pretty nice chunk of butter. I'm putting it into a little pot or a saucepan to melt it, and then when you drizzle it over the popcorn, you're trying so desperately to get an even coverage of it because you want everything to have a little butter but it's it's pretty impossible because you're just pouring like a couple tablespoons worth of melted butter which is a lot of fucking butter it's not good for you and you want if you're you're already committing to eating it you want to have an even coverage 
but you just end up having like little clumps of it in your big ass bowl of popcorn. So I always want to just have a spritzer to get a perfect even coverage of that just all over misting. it. Misting. Always start doing this for lobster too while we're at it. Yeah. Just buttering it. Yeah. Just uh, and you know, I mean, poaching a gra- the popcorn. A great, <laughs> a great cheap Christmas gift is like the the Donsk pop the butter melter. You know, it's like the little orange oh, cat, yeah. uh, enameled. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a little 70s fondue pot kind yeah, of thing. It's got, yeah. a little, it's got a little wood handle on the end that screws mm-hmm. in. It's got the pour spout. It's like 30 bucks. It's great. That's and it's not just for melting butter. But it's a good it's one. It's not just for melting butter anymore. But anymore. It's also good at melting butter. It's real good at melting butter. That's how you know you've made it in life when you have a utensil just for melting your butter. Or it's all how you know you have diabetes. The only other hack <laughs> is if you have two bowls that are the exact same size and you put them top to top and you shake it around with a lid on it and that's a good way oh, to, to coat everything. Super you do good. A nice top. Yeah, that's, that's a good look. But also, recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, and also, if you shake it around too much... Your popcorn will get too cold. You don't want it to get windy in there. <laughs> um. All right. Moving on. Um. Also, another mention. There's. Oh uh, wait. Hold on. Sorry. Oh my. What do you think of Star Wars? Everyone should go see it. Yeah. All right. Everyone should go see it That's in the I theaters. Heard. I heard best. best and everyone, since Empire. And everyone should go see it. ASAP before the internet ruins it for you. Yeah, there's some. So I heard there's some big shit going on. Go I've kind of been off the internet completely. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I don't Smart. have social media, so I've heard the George Lucas cameo is great. Nah. I heard Chewbacca's dick yeah. is not that big. <laughs> All kinds of great rumors. <laughs> Mom. Yeah. yeah, there's like a rumor going around that that you they could see Chewbacca like Chewbacca's dick is exposed. Ding dong. Obviously, looking. that's not true. I don't know. Or is it? I don't remember that. Stewie doesn't remember. He was so drunk off of whiskey that he was chugging the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. It was good. Um, Sorry. I had some bullet last night. It was a good day for it. It's been cold. Not in a movie. Um, we. I'm also appearing on... There's a, there's a couple other podcasts I appeared on oh. this week. I, I did um, The Food is the New Rock... Oh. Our friend Zach Brooks. His podcast overdue. His current episode is the holiday gift guide with me, um, Matt Kang from Eater, mm. who did this podcast, and Jeff from Thrillist and Zach, where we were all talking about some holiday gift items, things to give people, and some hey. things like that. So check no that out. Spoiler alerts on that one. No, we could talk about them. I don't give a shit. Oh, this no. podcast. He's. Zach's listening right now. My hey, bro. This podcast is better, Zach. It's just different. It's just different. I'm sorry. The first <laughs> couple podcast, of rockers over here. <laughs> I realized the first podcast I did was last year's holiday guide. That was like yeah. Oh, December last. It's been year. a year. The holiday. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that does sound right. Wow, has it been a year? Uh huh. We had cla- we had Tyler at Classics. That's right. Well, not Tyler, but we had um. Yeah. Not Tyler. No, that was the one. Because the first one I did was it's Michael. Chang was still doing it mm-hmm. i'm so confused and that was like i think it was like er, early december yeah, you weren't hosting when the you, podcast when you were first on yeah, i just back. jumped on for a minute yeah. he got called up and then we did classics that was like the first that one. that was our first as a as a as a trifecta, the trifecta. it was with michael the mm-hmm. hat trick and um, that, that was like bad that was bad uh super bowl food or something we talked about lots of stuff yeah Straight up. Bad but Santa. The, all right, so Food's a New Rock holiday Food's New Rock, guy. and then also Hi. me and Zach do a podcast called The Crawl, which is on the Howl oh, Network, yeah. the uh, the Earwolf's paid 
subscription-based podcast network. We did one before where it's a dumpling crawl all through San Gabriel Valley. And then the next one coming out, I think this week or next week, is a taco crawl all of east side L.A., downtown, Echo Park, where to eat all the best. If you want to go on a crawl, if you're visiting L.A. and you want to get all all the tacos, and it's it's during the daytime, it's not during the nighttime, so you don't have the benefit Aye. of visiting a lot of the late night taco trucks that we all love. It's it's places that are only open in the daytime, but you can bang out like eight tacos in eight different locations in like two hours. That's awesome. It's great. <clears throat> you could do it on your bicycle <laughs> if you want to try and burn some calories while you're doing was there eating a clear, tacos. Was there a clear favorite for you specifically? Clear favorite? I mean, it was weird. We had a little it bit of everything. different, right? Yeah, they were. They, each place was different. Like we start with Ricky's Fish Tacos, Whee! which is nice. really you know a good such a good taco, really tough to beat. And we we interviewed Roy Choi there. He goes there every Friday for for his lunch before he starts his work day. Um, but then we ended up Tacos El Momo, mm-hmm. which if you get it on a good day, it's it's a little truck that's set up usually in the the fashion garment district downtown. And it's just like a, a very basic, regular-looking food truck. You would never, you know, it doesn't look different than anything else. And they only do carnitas, tacos. Uh, That's the only thing they sell. Big respect to that. Yeah, and this dude who has been doing it, he's like a carnitas master. He's been doing it for like 50 years, just like cooking carnitas every day in the big, giant copper pot, just frying, frying up. And he does the full mixed where it's a little bit of every part of the of the pig. Oh, very tight. And it's so cheap. It's like $2 and you get a giant taco, like burrito-sized taco. It was just like two really good tortillas, so much meat, and then a little thing of salsa and like a, a little roasted jalapeno on the side. Mm. And if you get it on a good day, the carnitas is so crazy. Just the most fatty, melty, also crunchy, mm. and just... Hot fire. That's so many flipping tacos around. I tell you. Because <laughs> Ricky's taco is delicious, but if you just go down to Best Fish Taco of Ensenada, get the shrimp taco. My it's God. It's also pretty good. One of my favorites yeah. ever is the shrimp there. I love shrimp. the shrimp taco. I mean, fish tacos are fine and dandy, but the shrimp, as they're so buttery. Oh, God, I love they're it so very much. They're very good. Let's do a of shrimp. I love the shrimp. Scrimping, really. Scrimping. So check those pods out. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were talking about some holiday gift items on that one. One of them I said was obviously the jewel, the sous vide from mm-hmm. Chef Steps, which I keep seeing more and more videos of, of it, and it just keeps looking tighter and tighter. The bottom of it is magnetic, so you put it in a, in a metal pot and it just sits there. They did the pre-order, so crazy, but they're not shipping till like January, February, so it's kind of hard to grab somebody. That's tough. You're gonna give them like a little printout for under the tree. But the other one was. Which any excited chef would be fine, considering the product they're getting. Even more just to get like a little. Oh, this is coming. Perfect. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like getting the pre-sale ticket for Star Wars. Yes, it's enough. Um, (laughs) The other, the other one I suggested was a Bel Campo Mm. meat company reference, but they have this thing called the 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 butcher's pack on their website. Where it's $115 and they mail you a box of 15 pounds of frozen organs <laughs> of all different kinds. Wow. So it's just like 
beef tongues and chicken hearts and pig livers and feet and kidneys and every somewhat know, hard to get items if you want to experiment with some of the stuff that you know is out there these days yeah, but, but also pretty good deal for 15 pounds for yeah. 100 115 dollars of the highest quality stuff Absolutely. like that yeah it's it's pretty cheap because you know organ meat used to be very cheap and now it's pretty expensive because it's uh yeah. it's in vogue and sh- and and all that stuff like you know yeah. Oxtails became famous because I mean not famous but they became legendary because they were the cheapest cut of the cow and you could do Absolutely. do some great stuff with it and now if you go to buy oxtails like they're kind of expensive because everyone wants to make like a handmade oxtail ragu and they know that they can charge the same amount of money as a, a steak. Well, it's also absolutely yeah, definitely and oxtail is one of my favorite foods in the world but um, it's also an example of kind of lower class, working class food because it's high in fat content. Fat is basically arguably the cheapest thing on an animal, mm-hmm. minus the organs, but consider the amount of fat that comes off of a cow or a sheep or a lamb. Right. And it's really high in calorie content, which mm-hmm. means really high in energy if you're working. So, mm-hmm. you know, like there's a lot of peasant food all over the world that is basically mostly fat, a stew that is mostly fat, Maybe a few root vegetables here and there, and just slivers of little tiny meat, and that's enough to get you through a work day of yeah, hard fuel. labor. It's fuel. Filling that up point. that tank, Stewie. I got that tank. Uh, another well. little Bill Campo thing, though, um, they just released, which I had like some when I went to meat camp. They were giving it to us because they were just making it, but it hadn't come out. But they did a whole line of charcuterie with um, Mario Batali. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of it's like it's hard because he's you know he's a, a great chef he's got great restaurants he's also on every Albertsons and Safeway shelf in the world mm-hmm. you know it's like there's lots of it's it's like it's a, a little stigma to him it's a slightly diminished brand as far as like jarred or packaged food still makes really high end food in his restaurants but so he partnered with Bill Campo to make a few things and one of them is a pepperoni which is hands down the best pepperoni you've ever tasted in your entire life. And and one of the best things that Scott, who came on the podcast to talk about it, one of the best things that hit our lips of the entire weekend Pause. was these was <laughs> these pepperoni. Pepperoni. I mean it really it was like the first time you'd ever tasted pepperoni because it was that good. Fall in love with pepperoni all over again. So I haven't tasted Mario it Batali. since it got packaged and they're serving it at the restaurants. It's not packaged for sale in the butcher department yet. I, you can order it online. But um, Scott said he got a charcuterie plate last week. He went and ate in Santa Monica, and it came out. And I was like, was it as good? Because it was kind of one of those silly uh, things we talked about. Like, remember how good the pepperoni was? Mm-hmm. He was like, it's as good. What is, At least big, whatever went on my plate, it was as good. Circumference? How big are we talking here? Very small. That, okay, what, what, yeah, they sell those sticks, and you can just grab them. Yep. Okay. I yeah, mean, they're I not for tried. sale. I don't, I don't know if they're for sale yet. They're like not four like the bones. beef sticks. The kinds that are so small that when you put it on a pizza, they kind of curl up into little bowls. Yes, totally. Hell yeah. Oh, hell, this is my But jammer. it's not, I mean. <laughs> and then Stewie drinks the oil out of that. They've had the beef sir? sticks, which are, they've had in the butcher shops, which are good. But this mm-hmm. is like, it's obviously like vacuum sealed and labeled with big Vitaly logos everywhere. So mm-hmm. I don't know if they're, I don't think they're for sale yet. So but keep your eyes peeled for that pepperoni. I think like, and I think. It's really expensive, which is you know annoys me. But you're paying for quality. But I think like two pepperoni sticks is like thirty bucks or something. Whoa. But I will say if you, Whoa. I, I will stand behind it if it's as good as I remember. And Scott saying it is now that it's gone to market. 
It is a really fine piece of charcuterie, even though it's called pepperoni. I might just steal them. For the pep. Or you just rip them off. I will steal them. He's Rob. Gaffle. Detective (laughs) Magalari. Pepperoni, one of the more easier shopliftable charcuteries. (laughs) As opposed to a whole Hamon Serrano. Sure. Excuse me, sir. Sir? <laughs> what? What's in, I don't understand. <laughs> so we, I meant to bring us up last time. Where I, eh, we got caught up. But speaking of uh, the cross brands and Batali and whatnot, we didn't talk about Pete's. Nike Supreme collab. Oh, that's never been done before. Um, <laughs> Pete's buying up Intelligentsia and also Stumptown. What? I guess my finger is more on the pulse, apparently. Apparently, well, my finger is always right on the pulse, jammed up my ass. And I never know anything that happens ever. Just in the coffee world, that's more. But I had no idea. Unless you can download it illegally, I don't keep up with it. Uh, Well, you know. (laughs) I'm trying to find a way to to download coffee, and I can't do it yet. Well, So Pete's bought Intelligentsia and Stumptown. And Stumptown. And I think... At the same time? Uh, around this soon thereafter Power and move. the trickle down for us Lokes here in Los Angeles California is that I believe that let's see I believe that for me in Highland Park mostly uh, Intelligentsia was supposed to open with Everson Royce in Highland Park Everson Royce is Civil Lake Wine it's, like, yep. it's going to be this great thing for me and they pulled out Like the fallout is that like the heads are just like Ugh. and I don't think people will go to Intelligentsia as frequently as they did, actually. I, th- I feel like it might backfire. Now, the difference is the beer. This is my, com- my comparison is, is how Budweiser just Golden brought Road. up. And not, Golden Road. Golden and, Road and then also, because that was like, duh, Golden Road's whole idea was to get bought. They're, they yeah. make shitty beer and buy, buy weirdos that are just... They make shitty beer. I think their beer's okay. They're trying to get in. It's their their whole goal is to be in Costco before they ever like made sick beer. They're like, we're our goal is to just make a bunch of money and be bought as soon as possible instead of like make some good beer and pay our dues. They were they're, yeah. They were like, well, unless beer. that could be admirable though, because now now that they have four billion dollars, they can sit back on their. In their little lab, and if they really care about it, they they have the time and the financial security to make the best beer in the world. If they were in the if they world, were, you know, they, they cash out first, get financially comfortable, and then maybe they'll go back and make a dope beer. You never know. Yeah, I would love to see that. Happen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the, the Stewie doesn't see it happening. No, why would you? What? No, they're just. Uh, I thought you were going to say the result for people here in LA was that the new Stumptown was burnt to the ground along with yeah. every intelligentsia that is in the LA area. I, I mean, I, 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 I just. I, I, so, how do you feel about this merger? I think the people that go to those places, they're trying to avoid the, the, the Starbucks and the coffee beans and the Pete's. And I will happily say that of all those like super coffee brands, that pizza is the best. I always thought pizza is kind of good. We would, yeah. I would go to the, this. I would f- much prefer a pizza to a coffee yeah, bean they, or a Starbucks. They, they still make or a Dunkin'. They're still actual baristas pulling real shots Agreed versus with intelligentsia. That. So with that. of all of them, I'm like not mad at it, but I don't know. I mean, street. And as a fan of the Pasadena intelligentsia, I'm a big fan of the Pasadena intelligentsia. Me too. Um, I, I, I think uh, we use it as a thoroughfare today. It, it it definitely turns me off completely to all those brands, but in the end, I would definitely wait 
to hold judgment until suddenly their coffee tastes different to me. And unfortunately, sl- some of it must be slightly psychosomatic when you taste that stuff and you're like, oh, is this the Budweiser Golden Road or is this the Golden Road I used to like? Obviously, you never liked it. Is this the intelligentsia I used to like or is this the new intelligentsia Pete's bean? Like, you won't really know, but at a certain, I mean, and you will to an extent, but I. You know, hopefully that that allows them to do things that they couldn't before, and they may they're able to maintain their own personal integrity with what they're making. And you know, the companies, when they do that, they always say, "Well, we're going to let them be autonomous away from you know our mm-hmm. our other locations, and let them continue to do and provide money for them to do what they do now even better." Mm-hmm. But you won't know until you taste it. Well, I but and also they're rich, bitch. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, that's and that's then fine. because. Um, Stumptown bought Blue Bottle, which was I was a big exactly. fan of. Exactly. Well, the fallout for that, that is that Tartine, I think, and the Blue Bottle merger is dissolving because of this Pete's thing, which is a bummer because Tartine was going to start being in all these Blue Bottles down here. Mm, so, that would have been really nice. Yeah. There is a big fallout. Yeah, that's a that's a bummer. And the oh gosh, so. The thing I was going to say is I I actually feel like these big companies because sometimes was really that you've been seeing a lot of their cold brews and their yep. their cartons of milk. Like yep. I feel like they could have done a lot on their own had yep. them and Intelligentsia had this conversation with a friend and he put me onto this. If they instead of just like promoting their bros in the coffee game that don't necessarily have MFAs or or, or great thinkers when it comes to to, to economics, like if they had just hired like proper CFOs and whatnot, they probably could have gone it alone themselves and never needed to do this, and could have become Pete's. Mm-hmm. Well, and and then and if these punk. So the thing is, I gotta say about these punk rock companies, these startups, is if they had just gotten found some some brighter minds. If well, they would have they, just Steve they, Jobs, they, they could have just be, they could have been an yeah. Apple or you know, Google of the coffee game. Could have, not necessarily, but instead I, of getting instead of turning into a Dell, I think not yeah. a Dell, a Dell Taco, D E L L. I think you have a you have a valid point, um, without knowing any more. But there's also the case when you are a punk rock startup and you start to do really punk well, and you take people on who are advising you that you trust. That starts steering you down a direction that you can't make a U-turn from. Yeah. You're taking on small amounts of money, 500 grand, 750 grand, a million here, which is a lot of money, but not in the grand scheme of things. And people oh. are telling you that this is, this is great. You know, you're trusting people who, unbeknownst to you, are also making contracts or agreements that are loosening your power in the company. Suddenly, one day, you wake up in a meeting and disagree with someone, and they tell you that you don't have the control, the power, the decision-making that you thought you did, yeah. then lawyers are involved, go through paperwork and say, yeah, you don't have enough voting shares for this. And potentially the people who started and had the creativity and the, you know, the, the artful mind going forward with whatever their concept was for Intelligentsia or, or Stumptown aren't making those decisions. Yep. And they've got a huge brand, and now they've got people on their board or people that are able to vote their shares, and they, they didn't, you know, it's very likely they didn't want to do this deal. And we all learned this in the film Tommy Boy, <laughs> McAllen <laughs> auto, auto brake pads, they could vote our, our Tommy Boy off the board, and then the evil guys will take control. Dan Aykroyd? And Rob Lowe. Oh, yeah. Lowski. Wayne's World. Man, it does sound like the music industry. 
These bands but, getting caught uh, up know, in these backwards uh, deals. I agree. I agree that, that what you said could have happened, and that's a shame. But there's also who knows what the, the real Man. story was because <clears throat> both of those places made amazing coffee at a certain point. And, yeah. And I, you know, hopefully are you that now, continues the same. Are you now feeling inspired to visit even more independent mom-and-pop coffee places now? Um, yeah, I guess I, I always will. I'm honestly not the biggest fan of Stumptown. Because I typically get espresso, and theirs is really inconsistent. They serve an espresso called Hairbender, and uh, I've kind of known from a few sources in the game that they mostly just take all their all their excess beans and slop it together and go and but here's Hairbender. And in which case, as a as someone who's made coffee using Hairbender, it's really inconsistent. So you constantly have to tweak your your grind and mm. and how. And, and and that actually costs a lot of money because the more beans you're burning through yeah. to adjust gets very the grind for the day with the fluctuation of everything, so the heat mm-hmm. and whatnot, uh, that's a lot of dough. And Hairbender was really finicky and hardly consistent like flavor-wise. So I was never really the biggest fan of Stumptown. I'm fine with it, but it's a little too harsh. I had a little bit of acid reflux. Sorry, spoiler alert. Ooh. But um, Intelligentsia was like cleaner coffee, and they were also... A little, actually, they're both pretty bad at this. A lot, both of them are really bad at giving their beans to whoever. So now their product is getting made by somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing, so they don't have a lot of control over it. And a lot, and like a lot of the higher end coffee makers, they they only want to give their beans to accounts where if they know that their the baristas will do a good job and and, right. and make their bean like mm-hmm. use their brains beat brains properly. <laughs> so I've had a lot of really bad. Pulls of Stumptown and Intelligentsia because a lot of businesses just also Intelligentsia was the first place I ever went to where when I said I would like this coffee for here and they would correct me and say do you mean to To stay stay. and then Mm. I said no motherfucker I want it for here I like (laughs) that is. That's a rough correction. I mean, if you're required to do that, I mean, that's hard to do as an employee. But mm-hmm. the second someone tells me that, it's like, just imagine. I mean, it's yeah. we've all heard it now, but imagine the first time you hear, "Yeah, I'll, I'll, I want the coffee for here," and they say, "To stay." Well, I mean, I don't see how it's any different than going to Starbucks and be like, "I want to give me the medium, like the grande, mm. like that bollocks." Like, how yeah. has that been? Like now it's a thing. I Let's can't. Brand, well, I the difference between we got over that. There's that, between that. that well, the difference between that and for here to stay. Yeah. Uh, that's branding. That's, I don't think there's a difference. I think that's I part think of intelligence branding as well. Yeah. That it's supposed to. Well, but that's. But if you go to the East Coast, you don't. You can't say for here. Like that's that's that can be a colloquialism. To stay is a colloquialism. For sure, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. The, I mean, they're to from me, Chicago. So I mean, yeah, well, that, maybe that's water it. closets there. Yeah, Dubs car these. holes, a garage. It's a car hole. No, yeah. but I mean, the to me, the the naming of the sizes at Starbucks is a branding. Yeah, um, it's a mess. But the, the which the, is uh, bullshit. Too, more but. coffee ranting. It's like the the handsomeization. So you use uh, four ounce espresso and milk. Six ounce espresso and milk, eight ounce espresso and milk, mm-hmm. as opposed to cortado and cappuccino and latte. Yeah, yeah, How do you yeah, feel about yeah. that? You don't like it? No, it's just it's often inaccurate because if you're going to talk about ounces and whatnot, it's like, are you weighing that? Then how is an ounce going into this? Are you really? Because I'll get a to-go cup and I'll get a cortado in it, 
and it's say six ounces, but a cortado is four ounces, so you fill it just shy. But like you're not weighing that. I've had mm-hmm. so many up fluctuating yeah. up and down quote unquote cortados to go. And it's like, well, then which is it important to you? Because if it's important to you, then should you not be weighing it or using a very specific vessel to service in that is mm-hmm. going to yield a product of that name? Because otherwise, you're just kind of being a prick. To are me. you trying to get technical and specific, or are you not? That's a personally, yeah. Like, which is if it? If you want to do otherwise, it down to the ounce, let's let's do it the whole way. Well, they're I mean, making you think that they are, and that's how important they are, and then they're just kind of like. I understand their viewpoint because if you're a coffee dum dum and you're like, "What well, do you want a cortado or do you want a cappuccino?" And you're like, not exactly sure if I know the difference between it when you break it down yeah, with not, the amount of milk, then it's easier to wrap your head around. If you're too shy to ask what a cortado is, and good God, like just <laughs> someone's going to tell you what a cortado is. Someone's going to tell you. Not in that environment. And I, I agree. Look, I, I'm just ask the question. I, I'm probably <laughs> certainly on the side of coffee dum dum compared to, you know, a, a more expert coffee drinker. I, I weigh my coffee, I use a Chemex. I have a burr grinder. Humble brag, humble brag, humble no, brag. No, no, no. But I mean, like, like I, I make efforts to try and learn things. But like, as as far as like cupping, Flexing. I don't do coffee cuppings, and you know, like my wine palate. The weird not part the is though, he does use Starbucks beans, which <laughs> yeah. is the weird part about it. <laughs> Arabian do mocha use java, a Dunkin' Donuts hazelnut whole bean. Ooh, that sounds good right now. Um, but I think the, I, I think it's a. It's kind of a, a problem question or a problem scenario you raise because the last environment you feel comfortable in if you don't know about coffee is any of the places we're talking about. Because yeah, the oh customer God, yes. service is so poor. Even where do you stand? It's all mm-hmm. it's all based on the assumption that the quality of what they're making is so good, their service can be all over the place or even at, even in the worst elitist. And like there's a Supreme no Store casual conversation with you know your counterperson or who you're ordering from when you're at Intelligentsia. Well, that's why I just love GNB so much. I feel I like they, it's working. Like, I feel like they just they like <coughs> eliminated all that bollocks middle ground. And but us, like, us, us hipsters want to feel like job. that for whatever subconsciously. Some people, absolutely, some people do. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we yeah. want to be treated like shit, kind of. <laughs> GMB is great because of personal issues like that we're catalog. currently working out. I don't know, but I agree. Um, another great holiday gift item is a duck press. I saw one at <laughs> what in the world? Jason, I saw a duck a press. It's sort of table. A duck press. If you don't know, it's a high dollar item. Google not for Joe everyone. Joe Beef in Montreal. It's basically like Bourdain has talked about. It. It's a it's a kind of medieval French tool. Where you basically, it's, it's a giant kind of brass press where it's a cylindrical tube and at the bottom of it is a little spigot and you put a duck into this press and you twist this wheel like you're kind of clamping it's on a screw clamping so a head going on, down and down and down and down and like a vice. slowly pushing it down sure. and you're just basically squeezing out you're, you're ringing, ringing the towel of a whole duck, just blood oh. and juices and everything. How cooked are we talking here? How are you doing this? I think you can do it a few different ways. Yeah, I can't. I think Joe Beef did. There was an article in Lucky, one of the early Lucky Peaches about it, and it's I, they do it in their cookbook too. But it costs like twenty seven hundred dollars at Sir Latab. The, the item itself <laughs> and the meal itself is is extremely expensive. You guys in? 
but I think Kickstarter. But Stewie, I was I was thinking, Stewie, you could just make one of these. Yeah, I mean, I can fabricate it. I can holler at a guy. Also, I, got a guy, I mean, you, know? you just got a PVC pipe. <laughs> I, got a, I mean, because it was. Dude, like, I'm not trying to have a duck blowout on the PVC it's pipe. It's a really. It's a, <laughs> it's a really lot of pressure, an, bro. It's an ancient dish. It's an old dish. Um, and I, what I believe is it's primarily the breast is cut and served. And then the entire rest of the entire duck is then pressed into a sauce. Um, oh, and, served, so- and it's served table side. So the press comes out on a mm-hmm. cart and is done. You know, I'm sure it's not bones everywhere. It's kind of like already in. And I got the I got pressed. the Wikipedia pulled up. Okay, let's hear it. First, a duck, preferably young and plump, is asphyxiated to retain the blood. There you go. The duck is then partially roasted. Its liver is ground and seasoned, and the legs and breasts are removed. The remaining, <laughs> the remaining carcass, including meat, bones, and skin. Is put in a specially designed, similar to a wine press, or sorry, similar to a wine press, specially designed press. Pressure is applied to extract the duck blood and juices from the carcass. That extract is then thickened and flavored with the duck's liver, butter, and cognac combined, and then finished on the cooked breast. If you have a finish house, on the breast, <laughs> if you're an amateur cook and you and you and you buy that for your house. You're insane. Just spend the money, fly to Montreal, no one's, have that I mean, full do that. And then they're yeah. selling it at Sir La Tab. I mean, they're, they're selling it. Jeez. They've got one. It's twenty seven hundred bucks, Jeez. and it's made to go in somebody's house as a decoration. It's just yeah, those yeah. Full it's a very just buy ornamental and thing. Put them on the wall, basically. But, uh, it's the same the, thing. As for the listeners at home, an old um, pistol and putting it on your wall. Stewie's just grabbed the mic off the stand. I've done now, it a few times. Now hand holding mm-hmm. it, leg yeah. cocked on the bench. Yeah, yeah. I wanted He's to see the It's very like George Carlin. He's on, digging on, in right now. It's the first time that anyone's ever called. I've ever once while I'll do it. But also, I like it. I'm a fidgeter. I like it. Duck press plot twist. There is a similar dish prepared with the duck press in Cantonese cooking. Oh. That's where I insert the gong sound effect. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And all these duck presses are so expensive. Well, I mean, it kind of looks like a... Like a... Oh, God. I mean, it's it's a big. I mean, it looks like it looks like a torture. It looks device. like a damn fire hydrant. Yeah, I don't from care from for that. like the eighteen hundreds. But like, is it good? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I think it's a lot. It's like it's like decadence. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like just squeezing out some duck blood. Stick with fog. Well, it's also it's also a remnant of probably the time that it was made in, in the sense that this was something that was served to lords or royalty. I mean, this is like a this is very much in the vein of. Kind of the the class system of how food and food has evolved in time mm-hmm. is that Oof. this is you know this is the eight hundred dollar four star Michelin tasting menu mm. that was a daily driver for you know the yes. the upper class and royalty and the, the yeah this is the gold plated china hundreds of years ago with shaved white truffles and caviar and blah blah. Yeah, and the Wikipedia photo had a guy with a three foot hat on. So <laughs> all right, so Stewie, my proposition much like how chef steps has created the jewel or momofuku have made the sears all the stew is going to make the first entry level user friendly duck press God, with an avocado like... and a snorkel <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were going to say stew it's my proposition for yeah. mom this year you and i go have these on a duck press <laughs> <laughs> Our, our mother, vegetarian mom. for 20 years plus. Hi, Mom. Also, we got Tarl, friend of the pod and my roommate. 
tight brown. Tarl, Tarl. I feel like between him and I. First off, Tarl. We'll work this out. The light out. fixtures in my kitchen are <laughs> broken, and I need you to come over and fix it. Tarl, I got work Did for Tarl you. Did Tarl go with you to the screen? We got last work night? for you. Yeah, no, it's it another roommate. Okay. Todd. Hi, Todd. But also, Todd never listens to this. He's not Tarl, here. you're listening. We're going to close this podcast up, but finally, listen. go Google Duck Presses. Send over the schematics of your proposed idea. It has to be under $100, and think of all the possibilities. And it's, then, I mean, it'd be you could you can just make you could roast the chicken, and make stock out of it, and then the carcass when you're pulling the all the chicken p- carcass out of the pot to throw away, hit it in that press and squeeze out all those last juices. You can't stock. You can't stock. You have. No, you can't stock. You need up. the blood. Yeah, you have to like it has to be. No, I'm, I'm thinking of all the other applications for it. You can right. just oh, yeah, okay. put just a bunch of it. lemons yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah. you got a lemon juicer. <laughs> I got one of those. <laughs> this is a straight up unitasker. No, I'm trying to make it a not unitasker. Oh man, just get the sausage thingy from KitchenAid's the attachment. You're good to go. Oh look, look right? here, here you go, guys. What? Tofu press. Uh press that fucking tofu, dog. That's a great. I mean, one. that does exist. Yeah. There's but do you have a express. brass one that's balling? I do not. It's plastic and broken on me twice. I can continue to buy them because they're so good when they work. Yeah, there's nothing balling. You know what doesn't break? Tofu. Solid brass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. We're going to close this pod chapter. What did we learn today? I don't think much. <laughs> 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 but but hope, it, we hope you all had fun. Though. It sure was entertaining, of course. Andre Conoparl, seven humble brags today. <laughs> we get it. We get it. I'm still angry. Stewie, in a <laughs> bizarre turn of events, is angry about something. <laughs> I still got worked up. I still get worked up sometimes. <laughs> no, but you need to. I, I want you to be always worked Thank up. Thank you. Uh, the stewpodcast.com for listeners at home Stewie has pulled out a newspaper from his pocket and thrown it on the table and if, as, as if <laughs> I don't, as if he has like a news story that he wants to share with yeah. me as I'm doing the ending of the show now I have you guys together let's talk about this business plan <laughs> alright let's get down to brass tacks baby what I'm really trying to do is like can I get like five dollars man <laughs> I'm a <laughs> How many duck presses can I put you down for? Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the stewpodcast.com is the website. All the episodes are there. Go on iTunes. If you don't subscribe, do subscribe. <laughs> Tell a friend who might like this show. The best stocking stuffer is a free podcast that you can give them. Take all the episodes, load it onto a hard drive, and give it to them in a stocking. They're going to be like, what the hell is this? I was just going to piece of paper and write the fucking URL <laughs> down and put it in there. Just call it a day, baby. That's, link. Not, I mean, not a, that's not my holiday. The now. link is in the bio. <laughs> uh, I'm at them jeans on Twitter, Instagram. Stewie is Stewie Stewart. Sure. Or is he? Stu Stewart on Under one, Stewie Parra. Stewart on the other. Stu Stewart and Stewie Stewart. Which one? You don't know. Under Connor Parle, no social media. Not yet. He's still, he's still in the duck press ages. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.